You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. Um, I don't know about you, but over these last few weeks in the middle of this um, crazy time, uh, unprecedented time, whatever you want to call it, um, a friend of mine was sharing how sick they are of the words unprecedented and canceled. <laughs> um, me too. But over the last few weeks, I don't know about you, but I've seen, I've seen a lot of good in people in ways that I've never noticed before. I've, I've started noticing people who I've never noticed before. You know, we're hearing stories of, of doctors and nurses and caregivers all the time who are, you know, putting their lives on the line um, daily for people um, who, are, who know that because of the care they're providing to someone who's sick, they might be the next one on a respirator. And it's as hard to hear as that is and as heartbreaking as that is, it's also a testament uh, to love and care. And so, you know, I am just hearing so many stories of this, you know, people who never thought their job mattered are putting themselves at risk to make sure that I have the things that I need at my house, that when you go to Walmart, you can pick up toilet paper or groceries or whatever. Isn't that amazing? And it's heartbreaking too, because we're finding out the, the amount that we pay those people just doesn't match the sacrifice that they're making. So it's, it's good and it's heartbreaking. Uh, maybe uh, I hear all the time of people writing uh, heartfelt notes and words to other people. Some of you have posted some beautiful things and real, honest, caring things on your Facebook page these last couple of weeks. And it it's just, it floors me. And I just praise God for what he's taught you and some of the things you've gone through. Uh, I keep hearing stories of people calling to care for people in need. People, uh, I heard a story the other day of, of a young man who... Um, saw that the older lady in front of him in the grocery store didn't have any bread and was looking for bread and couldn't find them. And he, you know, that he gave his, his loaf of bread over to the lady in the grocery store line or delivering groceries for others. I'm hearing stories of people praying for others and it, and it's awesome, right? It fills us up in a time that we need filling up. Um, but if we're honest, we also hear stories on, on the other side too, right? We've seen a fair amount of not just worry about a, a virus, but the ways that human beings sometimes respond to that fear and worry um, has been pretty dark. You know, I, I've been reading stories about Asian Americans who are verbally harassed and physically assaulted um, by, by people because of, of racism and worries around this virus and how, how heartbreaking is that. There was a, a family in a Costco in Texas who was attacked by a man with a knife because of their race. It's heartbreaking. I, I read another story of people, or I heard about another story of people attacking a nurse um, for wearing their new hospital scrubs when they went to the grocery store before their shift. Or, you know, people holding masks for resale on the black market. It, it breaks your heart because people are putting their lives on the line and somebody's trying to make a quick buck. Maybe you've heard about the increase in calls to domestic abuse hotlines in the middle of stay-at-home. And the reminder that for some people, home is not always safer. And, you know, you hear the good and you hear the bad and it's, 
it's heartbreaking. We don't always know uh, how to respond to that. And, and I find that in moments like this, and I think we're seeing, we're all seeing this, um, moments like this have a way of revealing who we are as individuals, of course, but also as families, as communities, as churches. And most of the time, right? Because most of the time uh, we can cover over the negative aspects of ourselves. You know, our needs are met. Our fears are manageable. Our comforts are close by. And it's usually not until things really get shook up, which we're in the middle of a, a shaking up time, that we start to see what we're made of. And if you're anything like me over the, these last few weeks, you've had some days when you were at your best, despite what was happening in the world. And you've had other days that have been your worst. You can ask uh, Aaron about mine. She really doesn't have any of those worst days, but you can ask her about mine. Um, but however your week has been, we as a nation and as a world have never been in a better place to identify with the people that stood in the streets of Jerusalem and waved palm branches in our scripture today. Um, they were crying out, uh, Lord, save us. That's what Hosanna means as we practice. Hosanna, you know, Lord, save us. We'll talk about this later. The palm branch, it represents victory. They were begging for help. I don't think we've ever been more at a time where we're seeking after victory and a Lord who will save us than today. So as we read uh, the scripture, just to set the stage, uh, this comes at kind of the, the climactic moment of Matthew's gospel. Um, uh, it takes place, <clears throat> excuse me, in the middle of the most important uh, Jewish holiday, a holiday called Passover. And on Passover, Everybody who lives anywhere near Jerusalem, who's a Jew, would travel back to the capital city of Jerusalem and inside they'd offer sacrifice and they would eat together to celebrate Israel's um, freedom from slavery in Egypt. Um, in some ways, it's almost like our own Independence Day, right? It's, it's their Independence Day story. But now imagine <clears throat> if your whole life you celebrated Independence Day uh, while occupied by a foreign power. Uh, so that so that's what's going on. That's kind of what's in in your mind as as you stand in the streets here, and so because it's Passover, the city of Jerusalem is packed with people. You know, its population would grow like three or four times in size. So it's just packed. You know, the streets of your town they look like um, the state fairgrounds, except um, you know a Minnesota state fair, except replace the buckets of cookies. Um, with animal sacrifices and the tired security guards with very worried Roman centurions. And, and if you do that, you imagine that it, it looks just like the fairgrounds, except, you know, there's, there's guys with guns everywhere. You know, it's, you get a small idea of what that's like. It's, it's chaos. The people are just shoulder to shoulder and, and they're hoping, they're desperate for something to happen. They're desperate for help. And so into this city on this day, in the middle of all these worries and tensions and chaos going on, Jesus decides to make his big entrance. He doesn't do it on accident. He does everything that happens in the story happens on purpose. And Matthew records it because it's, it's intentional. It all happens on, on purpose. So as we try and do every time we read scripture, I want to invite you as you hear our scripture reader, Landon's reading scripture for us today, as you hear him, um, let's sit in the shoes of the people holding, holding branches. Let's sh sit in the shoes of people um, saying Hosanna and try and understand their fears, their concerns as they cry out, Lord, save us to someone who they think can help. 
So let's let's take a look. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring it, bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw the garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessing one the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise, praise God in the highest heavens. The entire city of Jerusalem was in, was in an uproar as he entered. Who, who is this? They asked. And the crowd replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Thank you, Landon. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the scripture. <clears throat> Uh, as Jesus comes into the comes into the city on this colt, this uh, full of a donkey, and so I want to focus on three things, and and there they are up up on the screen that we just heard read um, that I didn't always understand and, and have been helpful to me. So first, we're going to look at the at the donkey. Um, first is the donkey that Jesus rides in on, and again, like I said earlier, nothing in this story is an accident. Uh, Jesus doesn't send his disciples to get a donkey because he's tired of walking. No, he, he makes a point of, of riding it and explains it right in the text, right? Jesus does this to remind everyone of words, the words of an ancient prophet named Zechariah. And Zechariah uh, spoke of Jerusalem's king riding in on a donkey. Just like David, Israel's best king ever, did once many years before. And so... Uh, when Jesus sits on the donkey, it's probably the uh, clearest way in, in the whole beginning of Matthew so far. It's probably the clearest way that Jesus announces that he believes he's coming as king, as king of, of the earth. He ties himself intentionally to that story. It's, it, um, it's a reference that everyone would have got, okay? So when people see Jesus riding on a donkey and they've heard the stories about him, immediately they know, ah, he thinks he's king. And the question becomes, what do I think about that claim? Well, um, second, um, second is this word Hosanna, right? Uh, so donkey, uh, it's the king, king mobile for Jesus. Hosanna in Landon's Bible, you heard it read as praise God, um, which is, which is an okay translation. Most of our Bibles, uh, that word goes untranslated. It just says, Hosanna, just like we said in the call to worship. Um, and while praise God is an okay translation of this word, a better translation of Hosanna is save now. Um, you know, so like, like, 
you know, so-and-so Aaron, Aaron Hosanna, Aaron, save, save me now. You know, maybe you're, you know, you're, the car's going under the water. And you're like, help, help, you know, Hosanna. It just means help. It means save us. It's, it's much less a, a pious cry of praise uh, and much more a desperate plea for help. Hosanna is what you cry out when you don't know um, what else to pray. When things are really bad, you say, Hosanna, save me now. It's a desperate plea for help. And the third are the branches. Now in Matthew, uh, the branches are just mentioned as lining the streets. But in, in another gospel, they're mentioned as palm branches. That's why we celebrate with palm branches on Palm Sunday. And palm branches that we wave and are waving today um, have a very specific meaning as well. Um, our palm branches, they, they give us a clue because in the ancient world, um, this um, was a symbol of, of victory. Our prayer this morning alluded to that, but, but this branch, a palm branch, is a symbol of victory and not just um, any kind of victory, like either winning a race is one example. People would be given palm branches, but more than that, it's usually a, a symbol of the peace that comes from a military victory from conquest, right? Uh, the battle is won and you greet the victors with palm branches. And so if you lived in that time, if you lived in Jerusalem, you saw Jesus coming on the donkey, the people shouting Hosanna and waving palm branches, um, you might be thinking about, uh, one, that word victory, but you're also thinking about a story, a story that your great-grandparents passed down, or maybe great-great-grandparents passed down through their kids and to you, uh, because this isn't the first time that somebody waved palm branches in the streets of Jerusalem as, as somebody entered in. In fact, uh, your great-grandparents would have told you that around 200 years ago, a Jewish man by the name of Judas Maccabeus started a revolution in Israel. At the time, Israel wasn't occupied by the Romans, it was occupied by the Greeks, and this guy, Judas Maccabeus, raised an army and, and threw off the Greeks who were occupying Jerusalem. And when he returned to the city of Jerusalem, when he drove them out of Israel and returned to Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem grant, uh, greeted Judas Maccabeus with palm branches. Victory in, in the same way, that same moment. As he came in the city, they were waving palm branches just like people waved them for Jesus. And so if you grew up during this time, you grew up on stories passed down to you from your great-grandparents about this. You know, this is your national heritage. These are the things you celebrate every year. And, and so when you saw a great prophet riding into, into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey at Passover, when the city is packed to capacity, you cut down palm branches. You saw him coming, you knew the stories, and you said, this is it. Get the palm branches, they might as well have been like flags or political signs. Because as Jesus walks in his parade on a donkey, as near as anyone can tell, he's holding a little mini inauguration parade or a coronation parade. That's what's, what's happening here. As Jesus rides on the king's animal, the donkey, as prophesied in Zechariah, people greet him with palm branches, reminding them of victory and military conquest. And they cry out, save us. Uh, this is what's happening. So let's, let's look again. As, as Jesus rides into town, um, the people in this packed and tense and suffering city with 
Roman soldiers all around who are worried something's going to break out. People are yelling, Hosanna, save us, son of David. Save us, God in highest heaven. Uh, the men, right, they're laying their cloaks down in the street. Um, this is not just a sign of respect, but it's a sign of allegiance. It's like throwing in with him. Save us, they say. And there's little doubt uh, for us reading this today, what kind of saving the people of Jerusalem were looking for. Just like people today, when things are bad, they prayed for solutions they can imagine. A powerful warlord like Judas Maccabeus come to lead a revolution against the Romans, right? A return of political independence for their nation. The hope that if they threw their cloaks in with this new supernatural prophet and king, they would be rewarded when he took the throne. They couldn't imagine anything better than that. And as they stood in the streets and wove, you know, waved victory flags, they couldn't imagine anything better than Jesus coming in and throwing off the Romans and reestablishing God's holy people and nation in the land of Israel. And a week later, as we'll talk about, as you'll experience in Holy Week, a week later, Jesus, he lives up to their hopes. He brings victory. Uh, he saves, but he does it in a way that most of them holding palm branches had a hard time recognizing. Uh, but Matthew and, and I encourage you as you read our Where's the Beef, as you stay in Scripture, you read the crucifixion story this week. Um, the author of Matthew takes great care in describing Jesus' passion and his trip to the cross uh, like a coronation. Um, he makes a point of highlighting things that look like being crowned king, even though they're parts of this, 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 um, this brutal execution, right? On Good Friday... Um, Jesus will stand tall before the Roman Empire and the religious leaders, right? Like a king. On Good Friday, Jesus wears a purple robe given to him by the soldiers who are mocking him. He wears a crown on Good Friday, but it's a crown of thorns. On Good Friday, Jesus is lifted up above everyone else who gathered. But instead of sitting on a throne... He's enthroned on a cross and his cross bears his title, King of the Jews. And, and Matthew and the gospel authors, they retell it this way on purpose. It's not an accident because on the cross, the kingdom of heaven comes down just as Jesus has promised. On the cross, as Jesus wears a crown of thorns, he becomes crowned King of heaven and earth. On the cross, Jesus answers the prayers of the people of Jerusalem who cry out, save us. Because on the cross, Jesus takes into his body all of the evil of the Roman Empire, all of the evil of the corrupt religious leaders, all the sin and evil of his disciples, all the sin and evil that still hurts God and people on earth today. The same sin that we witness in hate crimes against Asian Americans in Texas or in abusive relationships or in hoarding and reselling N95 masks. He takes that same sin and evil, the same sin that we participate in every day when we fail to treat other people as God's dearly loved children. The same sin we practice today when we seek to find our comfort and our security 
at a high cost to anyone who gets in our way. Jesus takes that same sin, that same evil, and the death that follows from it into his body. He doesn't defeat it with more evil. Instead, he takes it onto his body in death. And on Easter, he rises again from the dead, putting it all away and promising that anyone who believes in him can find death and sin and evil put away for them as well. He saved them with their palm branches crying out, Hosanna, so much more than they could have ever asked or imagined. So much more that many of them didn't realize what he had done because they wanted help. They wanted help from the symptoms of evil and corrupt human hearts. But Jesus came for more than that. He came to fix the heart problem and he did it for anyone who wants it. My friends, this is what we call the gospel at the church. This is good news. And the good news is that there's a bigger victory than anyone could have imagined. That good news is why I'm sitting here in my office on Facebook Live right now. That good news is why even though our buildings are closed and empty right now, our church buildings are sitting empty, that good news is why we still are making the point to come together. <clears throat> because we believe that Jesus died and rose again to defeat and cure the sickness of death and evil that is at the heart of the symptoms of evil we experience and read about and engage with every day. My friends, Jesus came, lived, died, and rose so that we would be cured of the sickness of sin and be set free from death. And if you've never accepted that cure, because he won't force it on you. If you've never accepted that cure, again, today, I'm here to invite you to do it. Uh, we're just going to take a quick little break and then we'll finish um, to pray together. If, if you've never accepted that cure, pray, pray with me, with me right now, because that's the point. That's why we're here. That's why Aaron came over here yesterday and, and rearranged palm branches behind me so that it, it looks nice. That's why we come to the bread and the cup. That's why uh, we sit here with our phones on Facebook Live because God came. He sent his son to come and die for us so that we might be forgiven and transformed and promised eternal life. And if you've never accepted that cure, would you, would you pray with me? It doesn't need to be complicated to say, Lord God, Father, I'm sick with sin and I need you. Because of your son, Jesus, who died and rose, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sin. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, make me new. Amen? Amen. If you prayed that prayer or something like that today for the first time, or maybe you prayed it again and believed it for the first time. But if you prayed that prayer, or if you've prayed that before, I want to tell you something. That you've been forgiven. You're not perfect, but God is at work transforming your heart if you let him. And you can trust 
that this life is not the end, that there's a cure for the sin and evil that is in all of us, and that one day a new life, a resurrection life, just like the one we celebrate on Easter as Jesus empties the tomb, that new life is yours too. So praise God. Amen. My friends, we are in a time of national, community-wide, really worldwide crying out. And we may not all cry out the same ways. We may not all pray, but we are all at our very cores crying out. I think, God save us. We're looking for help. And, and we're all doing it together. The whole world is doing it together in ways that maybe we never have before, but certainly haven't before in my time. We are crying out to him. You know, and when disaster strikes, when tragedy strikes, it is natural and normal to turn to God in the crisis for help. And I want to encourage you and remind you that, that as we turn to him in prayer and whatever it is, maybe it's like a new thing for you and this crisis has freaked you out so much that you're like, God, I just need a, a little bit more help than I usually ask for, whatever. Um, I just want to encourage you to remember that God is not sitting there saying, well, it's about time. Um, God is not bitter at us for not making time for us, for him sooner. Um, he's not bitter at us for standing in the streets crying Hosanna. Jesus doesn't wait for our motives to be pure. And he never turns us away when we turn to him for help. But he may not save us in the ways that we imagine. Because his rescue is always bigger than the rescue we can picture. God's rescue rarely leads to a return to normal. He wants to save us bigger than that. And so I want to encourage you and remind you, as I remind myself, that even as this comes to an end, as things happen, that the saving and the rescue that we're praying for is probably not going to feel like a return to normal because God wants to save us bigger than that. Because Jesus didn't come for the symptoms that drive us nuts, but he came to cure the infection that is at the heart of human beings. So during this Holy Week and this crazy season, I want to invite us all to cry out to him and be ready for him to heal us and others in ways that we'd never expect. And so as we head into this strange Holy Week, I want to challenge you and I'm challenging myself and this whole church that it might be a week of repentance, a week of honest grief at what's happening to people in our world right now, a week of crying out, but also a week of hope in the darkness. Engage with our daily devotions, tell the story of Good Friday together at home at sunset this Friday, join us for prayer on Holy Saturday and and at 6 a.m. for the sunrise service, and again at 10 on Sunday. But whatever it takes for you to do that, I encourage that you make this a week of repentance and trust, being honest with God about how hard all this stuff is, bringing your own junk to him, and being filled up with his hope and his life. Because we remember that uh, it is by his death and resurrection that God saves us. And just like the people of Jerusalem, as we ask him to save us today, we're going to get more than we bargained for. And so as we approach the table, we remember um, that communion is, is a reminder of that. That his body was broken for us and his blood spilled to sustain his people now 
and forever. So as we take the bread and the cup, I hope you have your elements with you. Um, we're going to act this out and pray for more than just salvation for the sim- from, the, from the symptoms, but a cure for our hearts. So as we approach the table, would you, would you pray with me? Lord, prepare our hearts to receive this meal. We thank you for the cure that came through the death and resurrection of your son. And as we take this bread in the cup, would you bless it to strengthen us and keep us connected to each other, but attached to you as well, Lord. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.